The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the latest Manitoba crop report is out. We'll hear from James Fry from Manitoba Agriculture, who's based in Roblin. 2023 is shaping up to be a dry year and consequently won't be a bin buster. That's according to agricultural consultant Kevin Hirsch, who says where he farms in the Cabri area of southwest Saskatchewan, it's dry. It's the time of year that some crop producers are considering applying a fungicide. Retired Yorkton agrologist Tom Weir will join us on today's program and has some advice on that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Demand. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. A week of warm temperatures along with some precipitation in some areas that were lacking moisture helped crops progress in northwest Manitoba. James Fry is an applied production specialist with Manitoba Agriculture based in Roblin. So we've got weather stations that are throughout the northwest region and uh, this way this week the lucky winner was McCreary who got about two and a half inches of rain. Other parts of the region unfortunately in some of them almost got close to nothing so overall compared to normal precipitation levels that we would see at this point in the year St. Clara is still the region's uh, wet spot with about a hundred and close to about 140% normal rainfall. So that's good news for them. In general, though, the whole region also has received about 130% normal heat, which um, you know is, is to say that at this point in time last year, uh, we hadn't seen quite as much heat as we have this year. And that's just causing a lot of rapid growth and maturity. He provides an update on spring wheat crops. They are uh, looking good in my view. About 50% of the wheat has headed out, and uh, some of it, of course, is shorter than normal, which um, you know is, is going to be due to limited moisture. And some of that, you know, maybe early maturity, relatively speaking, is due to that extra heat that we've seen. Uh, the fact that it's shorter than normal, you know, of course, we we kind of look down the the road and wonder um, whether that might limit some straw come fall, but. Um, uh, otherwise, you know, doing very well. Uh, some fungicide applications have also got underway. So that means that uh, everybody's keeping themselves busy. Fry then discusses field pea crops in northwest Manitoba. Field pea is uh, in, uh, depending when it was seeded, it's just beginning to flower or you may even be in R2, which is to say kind of starting to get into that full bloom. If you got peas and, and uh, got down into the crop, you'll probably notice that there's pretty heavy notching on the edges of the leaves, which is uh, caused by a pea leaf weevil. So that's uh, just something to be aware of. 
And uh, and also, of course, where there has been limited rain, we see that some of those peas are looking pretty short. As for soybeans... I think generally they're in a vegetative stage still. So um, the most advanced as of the time of the report uh, is R1, which is to say that it's just that you're seeing that bud, which is forming right at the base of the, uh, along the stem there. And, uh, you know, probably by the time you're hearing this, it's going to, and if you have soybeans, they'll, they'll be in bloom already. But yeah, they're doing, doing well, I think, overall. Fry then talks about the canola crop in northwest Manitoba. Canola, uh, you know, the earliest crops that were seeded, of course, uh, you know, if you're driving around, you, you can't help but notice that there's quite a lot of fields that are in full bloom already, which is uh, good news for anybody with bees. Um, but anything that was seeded later or needed to be reseeded, you know, that we, we have uh, reports of everything from uh, late seedling stage to uh, rosette to um, just starting to bolt. So it's, uh, you know, I think that's pretty typical for canola is that you see a lot of different crop stages throughout the, the different fields that you're in. He notes grasshoppers are starting to appear in some crops. Yeah, you're starting to see that even those, what a week ago was just those little half inch long, they're starting to get legs, so to speak. And uh, yeah, they're definitely, definitely out there. Another thing that we're seeing in uh, hay fields actually is uh, quite a lot of alfalfa weevil infestations. So that's something to look for um, in your alfalfa. Cutting is something that you can do to help that because it just kind of removes the feed source for those guys. Fry adds that haying is underway in northwest Manitoba. You know, the yields are, I think, going to be quite variable depending on what kind of rain you've seen and, of course, what what land that's on. But, um, uh, you know, we've, we've seen that, um, you know, regarding forages in general, some of the things that were seeded early, like corn, those are usually um, doing pretty well. You know, kind of that axiom of knee-high by the 1st of July is, is kind of un- well underway this year. But uh, some of the later seeded forages and annual hay crops might be more uh, moisture challenged, depending on where you are in the in the region. And as for pasture conditions... Probably something to watch for is, you know, just if you, if you do have the ability to move your animals, just kind of keep your... Uh, eye on on how that pasture is doing depending on the rain and um, if you can kind of ease the pressure here and there that would be a good thing another thing to watch for if you've if you've been outside at all in short sleeves and shorts you know the flies are bad this year and uh, there's so there's some concern that uh, that could increase pink eye for livestock so something to watch for james fry is an applied production specialist with manitoba agriculture based in roblin it's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Co-op Hail Insurance. Beef and Forage Report. Chicago Mercantile At 1.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time Wednesday, Environment Canada has issued a tornado warning for Westman, Manitoba. Extra care and attention should be exercised in and around the following localities, Nipawa, Carberry, and Austin. Environment Canada meteorologists are tracking a severe thunderstorm that is possibly producing a tornado. Damaging winds and large hail are also possible. Take cover immediately if threatening weather approaches. Please consult local media for more information. 
And we're back with today's Beef and Forage Report. Chicago Mercantile Exchange live cattle futures rose yesterday, rallying after a two-session slide as corn prices dropped and feeder cattle surged, but softening wholesale beef prices hung over the market. Additional support stemmed from the cash cattle market. Fat cattle traded lightly in Kansas and the Texas panhandle at $178 to $179 per hundredweight, down a bit from last week's average of $180, but still at a premium to August futures at the equivalent of $172.50. Beef prices declined as retailers wrapped up purchases for the U.S. Independence Day holiday, the last big grilling holiday until Labor Day, at least in the United States. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program. And that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. X94, Ag Review. Ottawa's decision to ban the use of Lambda Cyolothrin insecticides on any crops destined for feed use has now led at least one Canadian miller to prohibit any deliveries of oats treated with the chemical. Grain millers, whose Canadian operations include its oat mill here in Yorkton, said in a memo yesterday to growers that the Canadian National Millers Association has asked all member businesses to advise growers of their Lambda Psi policies. Grain Millers says the company is being forced to prohibit the use of Lambda Cyolothrin on any oats being sold to grain millers. From now on, prior to delivering any oats in the future, growers will be required to sign a delivery affidavit, which will include a statement to that effect. Canadian pulse exports continue at a solid pace through nine months of the 2022-23 marketing year, with old crop prices trending higher over the past month as the market rations demand ahead of the new crop harvest. Canada has exported 1.713 million metric tons of lentils during the crop year to date, with Turkey the top destination at just under 500,000 metric tons, followed by India at 383,400 tons, according to Statistics Canada data. Pea exports of 2.176 million metric tons are up by 42%, with China accounting for just over 1.2 million tons of the total. Other major importers of Canadian peas include Bangladesh, the United States, and Pakistan. Canada has exported 188,800 metric tons of chickpeas through the 2022-23 crop year to date, with the United States the top destination, followed by Turkey, Pakistan, Syria, and Italy. A report was released yesterday on a collaborative project between three prairie provinces and Ottawa on engaging First Nations communities in agricultural opportunities. Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta have been working with the federal government on the project since May of 2021. The report shows some First Nations communities in the Prairie Provinces are interested in growing their food systems through traditional practices and also through participation in the agricultural sector. All information collected will be used to inform departmental priorities and programs aimed at advancing Indigenous agriculture and food systems. 
It's flying season for the Japanese beetle, which has prompted expanded restrictions on soil and plants in Vancouver that cover much of the city. The invasive pest was first detected in Vancouver's Falls Creek area in 2017. The iridescent copper and green-colored beetle can significantly damage landscape and ornamental plants, fruit and vegetable gardens, nurseries, orchards, and crops. A statement from the city says landscapers and residents are encouraged to keep their plant materials on site and continue to use their green bins for yard trimmings. Those who want to move plants with soil attached out of the regulation area will need to contact the inspection agency to obtain a free movement certificate. A new survey from the University of Maryland and Auburn University found that as of April 1st, close to half of U.S. honeybee colonies died in the past year. The 48% annual loss was up from the previous year's loss of 39%. However, it's not as high as the bee mortality rate of 50.8% seen in 2020-2021. Beekeepers told the surveying scientists that a 21% loss over the winter is acceptable, and more than three-fifths of beekeepers surveyed said their losses were higher than that. California has cited two Northern California mushroom farms for health and safety violations and proposed $165,000 U.S. in fines five months after a worker killed seven people in back-to-back shootings. The January 23rd violence stunned the small coastal community of Half Moon Bay, south of San Francisco. The citations included a lack of training for Spanish and Mandarin-speaking workers in a language they can understand. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will return in one minute's time. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 173.87 today. That's up 137. October live cattle closed at 177.02, up 95. August feeder cattle closed at 240.25, that's up 175. September feeder cattle closed at 243.72, also up 175. July lean hogs closed at 94.27, up 15. August lean hogs closed at 91.10, up 5. And that's the livestock market conditions. It's the time of year that some crop producers are considering applying a fungicide. Retired Yorkton agrologist Tom Weir has some advice to keep in mind. Well, I guess first off, there's uh, peas, and and with peas, we're probably right at or beyond the, the fungicide window. We usually look at a fungicide application at the first flowering for peas. So uh, I guess because it's been 
pretty dry in most areas right up to, to very recently. Guys might not be thinking of fungicides, but with peas, I think there's, uh, there's the disease aspect, but there's also the standability. There's been a, a lot of uh, work done, and, and it's really uh, quite amazing the, the difference between sprayed and unsprayed with a fungicide and the way the peas will stand up in the fall. So to me, it's almost like it's a no-brainer for putting a fungicide on peas to eliminate the foot rot at the base of the plant, whether you have other diseases up in the plant or not. It, I think it more than pays for itself just for that standability aspect. As for canola? Canola, the disease that we're normally targeting for a fungicide application is sclerotinia, and so that the recommendation is 20 to 50% flowering when you apply it. The thing about uh, sclerotinia is the, the bodies that produce the spores, which are the sclerotia that are in the soil, need about 12 days of moist conditions under the crop canopy to germinate. And up until this point, the last couple of days, we, we haven't had that at all. So I don't think we've had any, uh, we are in the situation where we're going to have germination up until now. So if we get some showers from here for the next two weeks, yeah, then we may have a situation where we're going to get uh, some germination and uh, infection. So as as it is right now, I would say it's questionable whether we would uh, be, you know, I'd recommend spraying with uh, a sclerotinia product in canola. The other thing that weighs on on the decision is for the last four or five years, it's been pretty dry at the end of June and, and early July. And we probably, in a lot of situations, uh, if it has been, we probably don't have a lot of uh, the apothecia that may germinate and produce the disease. So uh, I guess if you've got canola that's going to be 20 to 50% flowering two weeks from now and it has been stayed wet or even 10 days from now, then consider uh, spraying it. If it turns dry, the soil surface is dry, and we don't get uh, any more rainfall, then I'd say questionable whether it would be uh, uh, required or not. Weir says some cereal crops may also require a fungicide application. Our major cereals, wheat, barley, and and oats all can have leaf diseases. That's the number one reason to put a fungicide on. And the number two reason is to put on for uh, fusarium head blight. So the Timings can be a, a little bit different. We target uh, the flag leaf to uh, the full heading or uh, start of flowering for uh, applications for a leaf disease, and we target that, that late, later application, just that uh, uh, flowering for the uh, fusarium. Again, the way the, the, the disease works is, is rainfall will splash the spores up in from the soil res, uh, residue material on the soil up into the crop canopy. And uh, subsequent rain will move it farther up. At this stage, we haven't had any rainfall to do that. 
and we're only just uh, we're approaching that uh, heading stage right now. So I guess the the big thing is uh, uh, if you've had some showers leading up to here, uh, while the crop was in the four or five leaf stage, possibly there's a there's a reason to to spray it. Go out and look at check your crops and see if there's any spots on the leaves, a couple of leaves below the flag leaf to determine whether you're going to have pressure. Fusarium, again, the conditions have to be right. But again, we haven't seen fusarium for the last four or five years. So whether we've got the inoculum around that is going to cause the disease, that's the the question that I can't answer right now. The other aspect of of putting a spray on, on foliar spray some of the products, uh, the strobe family of, of um, fungicides will green up the crop. So that's an, an aspect that uh, a grower may look at when he's deciding to spray. But on the other hand, the strobe products are not recommended for fusarium. So you, you, a grower has to decide why he would be spraying uh, his fungicide to make the decision. He doesn't expect there to be a shortage of fungicides this season. Your supplier is going to have uh, supplies right now, and unless things really pick up and and, uh, take off, shall we say, uh, they're probably going to have uh, a good supply. So as far as price goes, there's there's different ranges. You've got the generic products, the older products, that are going to be quite uh, priced quite uh, uh, significantly less than uh, the products, the newer products. And I guess, again, you got to work with the programs that the different companies have uh, to get the price. But, you know, uh, there are some good generic products that, that sort of fit into the, the products that I, uh, the niches that I've been talking about. So a grower should look at both uh, the cost and it's questionable whether you're you're going to get results from it because you don't have we haven't had the weather conditions. I, I don't know spraying uh, a real expensive product would be the my product of choice, anyways. And Weir offers some advice on how to apply fungicides. Keep your water volumes up, and uh, you're trying to cover the the complete area that you're spraying. So keep the water volumes up. The higher, the better. At least ten. Uh, and if you can go higher than that, better. Uh, you're you're looking at using fairly small droplets, uh, so the pressure is going to be up a little bit too from what you'd be spraying for weed spray. Drift isn't as much of a concern, and spraying in the in the evening or in the morning is is preferred uh, because you're spraying small droplets. Uh, it cooler conditions you get less evaporation with the spraying of a, a product for fusarium uh, you want to you don't want your booms to be straight up and down you want to angle your nozzles so that you get a more of a paintbrush effect on them rather than uh, on the heads because you want to cover the heads so they're a little more difficult to target tom weir is a retired agrologist based in yorkton please stay tuned your commodities update is coming up next Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at $700.50. That's down $13.20. 
January canola closed at $707 per metric ton, down $12.60. September Minneapolis wheat closed at 8.18 and a quarter, down 27 cents. September Kansas City wheat closed at 8.05 and 3 quarters, down 33 and 3 quarters of a cent. September Chicago wheat closed at 6.69 and 3 quarters, down 29 and a quarter cents. September corn closed at 5.31 and a quarter, down 25 cents. August soybeans closed at 13.61 per bushel, that's down 34 and a half cents. September oats closed at 3.93 and a quarter, that's down 7 cents. And that's the commodities update. 2023 is shaping up to be a dry year and consequently won't be a bin buster. That's according to agricultural consultant Kevin Hirsch, who says where he farms in the Cabri area of southwestern Saskatchewan, it's very dry. Yeah, things are going backwards quickly in my part of the world. And it's it's variable because showers are variable and land soil type is variable and kills off versus low spots and when it was seeded and what the field history was. But increasingly, there's a, a lot of crops, especially the early seeded cereals that are just drying right up. There are fields where producers are wondering whether they will even see a combine at this point. And everybody tries to estimate the, the size of the of the prairie crop, and everybody looks out their, their back window and their back 40 and, and tries to extrapolate, and, and there's a huge amount of variability. But as you pull out the yield maps and, and look at the, the, the percent of normal precipitation across the prairie region, as, as you look at the Saskag crop report and look at uh, the, the percent of the cropland in the various moisture categories, it's really early to make predictions, but one prediction I will make is that this is not going to be a bin buster for the, the prairie region in total. There's just too many dry areas in southwest Saskatchewan, or at least my part of southwest Saskatchewan, is is very dry and looking really poor. Hirsch says depending on where you live on the prairies, you're either wanting rain or doing all right. Southern Alberta has got a, a lot of, uh, of weather stress and, and rain stress. And Manitoba, traditionally not a dry area, is running way drier than normal. And talking to some producers out there, uh, crop prospects don't look overly bright either. So there are some areas that are doing very well. Uh, I think the Regina area looks uh, quite promising. When you look at percent of average precipitation, they look like they're very good. But uh, there's a lot of areas that look poor. And overall, I just can't see how this is going to turn around enough to turn what looks like a worrisome situation into a happy story when you look at prairie production overall. When looking at maps of normal precipitation since June or September, Hirsch adds either one from Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada can tell a different story. Based on September 1st to June 19th, uh, a lot of Saskatchewan was quite a bit below normal. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, around Regina, an area north of Saskatoon were about average. Everybody else in the province uh, in that time frame was below average precipitation. Now, if you jump forward and just look at growing season precipitation since April 1st, 
Saskatchewan actually has is a brighter picture if you look at just growing season precipitation with the the majority of the province in the uh, normal to slightly above normal category, an area around Regina in that above normal, 115 to 150% of normal. The drier areas uh, or some of the areas leaking out of Manitoba are below normal. And then the western side of the province shows up as below normal. And once you get into southern Alberta, you get a big area that's well below normal, less than 40% of, of normal precipitation. Another factor is grasshoppers. And I think that grasshopper population has been building, and I'm, I was surprised in Saskatchewan by the forecast map that was developed last fall based on adult hoppers and trying to estimate the forecast for 2023. There were there were some hot spots and, and some areas that looked like they might have concern, but from the hoppers I saw, I thought they really dramatically underestimated the infestation potential and and that's uh, really proven to be the case at least in in this area there's been many fields that have been sprayed corner to corner and not just once but multiple times and grasshoppers working their way out of grassy areas as the grass dries up and cleaning off the edge of a crop and especially with pulse crops like lentils being very sensitive to grasshopper numbers there's been a tremendous amount of insecticide sprayed and they just uh, thrive in hot conditions and the crop does not so it's tough for the, the crop to get ahead of them so they've taken a bite out of production. Hirsch concludes that these two factors have implications on logistics and crop prices. For instance, a lot of Durham comes out of southwest Saskatchewan and southern Alberta. So if I was sitting at Regina with a good-looking Durham crop, I might surmise that Durham overall is going to be relatively short supply and prices may go up because on a crop like Durham, Canadian production is a, is a big part of the export total in the world, and we influence world prices. So it, not only does it matter to an individual farmer what kind of crop they grow, it, it also matters what everybody else grows for a crop, particularly on some crops like Durham, where we influence world prices. So if, uh, if I'm sitting at a good crop at, at Regina, a good Durham crop, I'm probably pretty happy about it, might be a little extra special knowing that the way things are going, there may be upward price momentum. Kevin Hirsch is an agricultural consultant who farms in the Cabri area in southwestern Saskatchewan. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Farm Bulletin Board. The four largest crop development commissions have on-farm research programs at various locations around Saskatchewan. Kaylee Kondrachuk is the agronomy extension specialist with SAS Canola. The goal of this program for all of us is to answer questions that farmers and the industry have. So farmers can bring forward these questions or ideas to the crop commissions or their agronomists regardless of the time of year. The goal of this program for all of us is for it to be very simple for the farmers to implement, but replicated to gain enough meaningful data. Kondrachak talks about SAS Canola's research involving biological products. Those producer trials are all over the province, from Shonovan in the south to Carrot River in the north. 
We've gotten lots of questions about how these biological products work, and we really don't have any data or we haven't seen any research to be able to answer that question. So we wanted to be able to have a look at that over this growing season and be able to answer that question as as they come in and then give the cooperating producers a chance to see those results on their farm using their equipment, but also while having a, a research specialist or an agronomist help them along the way. The Saskatchewan Crop Commissions are also sponsoring a field tour on Tuesday, July 11th in the Plenty area, about an hour and a half south-southwest of Saskatoon. We are partnering with an agronomy consulting company, Max Egg Consulting, out of Plenty. They've been contracted to manage one site for each of the Crop Commission programs, so it was very fitting to partner with them for a field tour. Uh, The tour is on July 11th, uh, scheduled for the morning. And there's going to be one stop per organization or research protocol. So there will be one stop that will talk about the foliar applied nitrogen fixing biological products for both canola and wheat. And then we'll also look at a barley seeding rate trial, lentil seeding rate and canola seeding rate trials. Tour registration details on the July 11th date can be found on the Sask Canola, Sask Wheat, Sask Barley, and Saskatchewan Pulse Growers websites. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's coming up on 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny with a 30% chance of scattered showers. Winds northwest at 15 to 25, gusting higher at times and a high of 25 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy. Winds northwest at 10 to 20 and a low of 12. Tomorrow, partly sunny with just a 20% chance of scattered showers. Winds north-northwest at 10 to 20 a high of 26, an overnight low of 13. For Friday, partly to mainly sunny, winds southwest at 10 to 20, a high of 28. For Canada Day Saturday, partly to mainly sunny, with a 20% chance of isolated showers toward evening, a high of 30. And for Sunday, mainly sunny, a high of 31. In the Paw, it's 18 degrees, Swan River is at 23, Dauphin, Brandon, and Roblin, 24, Show Lake Russell, 21. Regina, Broadview, Mooseman, and Indian Head all reporting in at 24, Saskatoon, 21, Hudson Bay, 20, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, 19. The Yorkton, Melville region has a partly sunny sky. A north-northwest wind at 21 kilometers an hour. 54% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 24 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. 
The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.